0: in this world right now and maybe a little bit about what this means and then bring that into Ephesians 1 with our battle against principalities and powers because everything is really a spiritual uh, battle and there's things behind it. So God has not only called me just to be a Bible teacher but also to be a watchman to be a watchman on a wall of things that are going on to help relay those things to you and to make you aware of them. And with that being said, last week at 1141, it began to be a blood moon. And it lasted for a little bit over an hour. And I went out and took some pictures of it. Did anyone else go out and see it or or all of that? Yeah, it was surreal, wasn't it? I mean, I, I went outside And the snow was out, and everything was lit up, and that moon started slowly going from half red to three quarter of her head to full red. And to be standing there in that white snow and all of that and looking around, it's like you got an awesome feel of the presence of God there. I want to tell you something about uh, this super blood uh, wolf moon. Blood moons are biblical. If you look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, we started this out several weeks ago as we began studying Genesis on our Wednesday nights. It says this, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. So there's a purpose to divide the day from the night. And then it says this, Let them be for signs. First of all. And then seasons for days and years. So the purpose of the lights. And the purpose of things. Was to divide day from night. And to be for us. A sign from God. For whatever purpose that he has. And we don't always know what it is. But it causes us to look. Now when the moon is turning. Or looking like blood. It usually is talking about. Something happening as a great day of the Lord. Look up there at Acts Chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Go ahead and give me the next uh, slide. No slide? Here's that spiritual battle we're talking about. That was the only one we had on that, didn't it? Oh, my word. Okie doke. Well, turn to Acts chapter 2 then. That is my bad. Acts chapter 2. Right there is when the Holy Spirit has came on the day of Pentecost. And there's a great sound and everybody came rushing out to see what was going on. And Peter's given the first gospel sermon there. And then it says that uh, he began preaching there about Jesus and what's happening. Then you get down to verse 19 of chapter 2 and it says this. I will show wonders, this is the Lord speaking in God. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire, vapor of smoke. Verse 20, the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, when you have an eclipse of the sun and it turns dark in the middle of the day, when you have an eclipse of the moon and it turns to look red like blood, he says, those things are going to take place before The great and awesome day of the Lord. One day that will take place. We have had lots of eclipses and lots of blood moons and lots of these things. They are signs, but there's going to be one day that's going to be the great and awesome day of the Lord. They point to that. But also, the awesome day of the Lord is also things that happen to nations whenever the Lord is trying to warn a nation that they are leaving Him. So whenever, whenever this happened here, he's going to say, this is that which is from the prophet Joel. And he's going to go on to quote Joel 2 there, that the sun turned dark right here. Why? Because the awesome day of the Lord was getting ready to happen to Israel. Israel has left their God. They crucified the Lord Jesus. They failed to believe in the Word of God. So in in about 40 years, that awesome day is going to happen and the temple's going to be destroyed and not one stone left upon another, just as the Lord Jesus had said. And these things are to get you to begin. God is giving you time to think and to repent. And to change your mind about him when he does these things. He says, this is from me. I am in control of the heavens. I place these things in there for you. For signs. And for what? Look at verse 21 again if you're following along in your Bible. It shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what he's trying to say is is when you see these things coming, get your house in order. Personally, get your house in order. Nationally, get your house in order. Why? Because not only is there a day, one day that's going to come that will be the great and awesome day of the Lord and every knee shall bow and tongue shall confess, but there's also times in nations that you need to understand that you need to come back to the Lord. Now, a blood moon directly over Washington, D.C., At midnight, to me, says, we need to wake up. I don't know how else to interpret something like that. Are you ready? First, personally, is your house in order? Secondly, nation, are you ready? And there's a reason why. Verse 21, it shall come to pass that if you take stock in your life, you need to realize where you are and whoever calls up the, upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was designed for this purpose, to get us to examine. So if, if you are not a Christian, I beg of you, make it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait for a more convenient season we're told of one man, when Paul was talking to him, say, almost thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian, and we never see that that man ever made a different choice the rest of his life. Today is the day of salvation. Now I'm going to give you some more facts. This is not fiction. It's like Dragnet. I don't know if you ever watched Dragnet, and he'd always go, just the facts, ma'am. Or, just the facts. All I want is the facts. So I'm going to give you some facts. I'm not going to... You know, I never get politically involved. I'm not Republican, Democrat. I am right and wrong. If it's right, it's good. If it's wrong, it's not. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, but I want to give you some facts about this moon as we think, is it something that we're trying to tell our nation? First of all, our president was born on a blood moon. June 14th 1946 so he's a blood boon child he was born exactly 700 days before Israel became a nation he was sworn in at president on January 20th 2017 he was 70 years old seven months and seven days now if you know bible numerology seven's a biblical number isn't it how how many sevens have we got going on here? He was blood moon, 70 years old, 7 months, 7 days. Born 700 days before Israel became a nation. The blood moon last week was exactly 2 years. The halfway point. He was sworn in on January 20th, 2017. And at midnight on January 20th, 2019, you have a blood moon right in the middle of the presidency, right over Washington, D.C. They've declared Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel in its 70th year of existence. This is the 70th year of Israel again as a nation. And the embassy has been moved there. And what are all these saying? I'm not trying to say that I know what it's saying. I'm just saying something's happening. Something is happening and you see the chaos that's going on with the news and the talking heads and the politicians and not just in America but around the world. So something is going on. It's this battle of light and dark to see who can take control of things. Not only is that happening, let me tell you about some things that was happening in the last just two months leading up to this. All of these things have been happening. How many people remember the plagues of Egypt, the ten plagues that came to Egypt in the days of Moses and Exodus? Okay. Did you know that the week prior to the blood moon, two weeks ago, locusts swarmed Mecca, the nation of Islam's capital and holy temple, how many people realized locusts swarmed Mecca two weeks ago? They did. Locusts were part of the plague, weren't they? You know what's really weird about the whole thing? Let me tell you what's really weird about these locusts coming into Mecca. The Torah, the first five books of the law that Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy... Is is read every year by all of those of a Jewish faith in what they call Torah portions. Throughout the year they go through all five of those books along with other things, but they read a section every week. The night that the locusts swarmed Mecca and their mosque, I had a picture of the mosque. I wish I had it up there. It's got locusts all over the ground, all over their statues. But guess what the Torah portion was that night that they came that was read in every Jewish synagogue around the world. It was Exodus chapter 10 through Exodus chapter 13. Let me read you what Exodus chapter 10 starts out with. Now the Lord said to Moses, and if you want to go there, go ahead. Exodus chapter 10. The Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh. I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs and wonders of mine. I want you to put them in the hearing of him and his sons, The mighty things that I have done in Egypt. My signs. Whose signs are they? My signs. My signs which I have done among them. That you may know. Why does God do these things? That you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him. Thus says the Lord. The God of the Hebrews. How long will you refuse to humble yourselves before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, that they shall cover the face of the earth, so that no one will be able to see the earth And they shall eat the residue of what was left from the hail. And they will eat every tree that grows out from the field. They will fill your houses, the houses of your servants, the houses of all of the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor their fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and left and went from the presence of Pharaoh. Man, that's some mighty stuff, isn't it? He said, these are my signs. How long is it going to take for you to humble your hearts? And I think that's what he's saying to America right now. How long? What have I got to do to get you to begin to humble your hearts and to let my people freely worship me? That was read the night around the world... That locusts swarmed the mosque in Mecca, the capital of Islam. And you know what it said in the news about that? It said this. This is the first time in history that Mecca has been under the siege of locust attack. First time in history. What did Moses say? Neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen this since the day that they were on the earth. Folks, the Lord is speaking to people around the world. You know what else? Listen to Revelation 9, if you've got your Bibles with you. Turn to Revelation 9. Here's another mention of the locust. Begins in verse 1. It says this, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened up the bottomless pit. Smoke arose from the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. To them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded... Now, here's the important part I want you to get if you're there. I want you to look real close. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. Isn't that what they're supposed to eat? Okay, but now he's not saying that that's what I want you to eat. Somebody read that's got it. Read, read tell me what it says. Yeah. So the locusts aren't come as a natural locust to eat the green things, to eat the, the trees, to eat the, the greenery that you got. This time, they're coming out to take those who do not have what? The seal of the God. on their foreheads. What's that mean? What's that mean? If you're a Christian, I'm going to tell you what it means. If you're not, then you don't got this. Okay? Acts chapter 2 again, if you want to flip back. If not, just, just listen, because I'm going to go through a couple verses here with you real quick. These are things that are trying to get men to realize the times that we live in and to get you to t- get your house in order. To get you to, to say, I need to be on the Lord's side. What a friend I have in Jesus. Peter, we already read right up there in... Uh, it wasn't on there i didn't have a slide we already just read acts chapter 2 verses 19 through 21 where he said i'm going to turn the 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 blood to the moon to blood in that great and coming day of the lord and whosoever calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved right now he keeps going on in acts chapter 2 from verse 21 down to verse 38 and listen to this because when he preached that to them they checked their house they said they were pricked in their hearts verses 36 and 37 Men and brethren, what shall we do? We've been pricked, we were wrong, we haven't been living right. What do we need to do? Peter said to them, verse 38, Repent, change your mind about the way you've been living, about what you think of Christ. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of what? Yeah, Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Who, who was it that is putting this seal of God on the forehead? Now listen, the Holy Spirit then is going to be the seal of those that believe. When you believe in God, you repent. You've been baptized. He said, you shall be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is that? That's that seal that's going to protect you in this time of trouble that we're living in. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. He that has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Who also has, verse 22, sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So that promise is the seal of God to protect us. He said, God established us with Him in Christ and sealed us with the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee that we are His and under His protection. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1. That's where we've been going for the last couple of weeks. Verse 13, we studied it a few weeks ago. It says this, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, "...in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise." That ties both of those verses we had together. Verse 38 of Acts 2 said that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit... "...that is a promise to you, to your sons, to your daughters, to all who are far off... "...even as many as the Lord our God shall call." So that is the promise... 2 Corinthians chapter 1 said he is our seal that guarantees us. Ephesians 1 says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise when you believed the word of truth. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says it like this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Folks, if you are in Christ, if you have been baptized into Christ, then you have the seal there of the Holy Spirit to protect you. Who was it that the locusts were coming after in Revelation 9? Those who do not have the seal of God upon their forehead. And you know why it's on the forehead? Because listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. This is cool. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands sure, having this seal... This is 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19. It's the solid foundation stands firm having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Wow. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it comforting? Isn't it comforting to know that you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise? That he has placed that seal upon you. The foundation of God stands firm upon this promise. That the Lord knows those who are his. So then let every one of you who names the name of the Lord. Depart from iniquity. And walk like you're a child of God. And take notice of your house. Put it in order. Get it ready. Because things are coming. You're going to be You've got a future, you've got an inheritance no matter what happens. But the Lord knows those that are His. But those that aren't, the locust is going to come and devour those that do not have the seal of God. Now, let me tell you something else that's been happening recently. Not only the blood moon, not only the locusts coming to Mecca. But another thing, we've had red tide all around Florida for almost a year. But here recently, in the last month or two, all the rivers in like Africa and Indonesia are running blood red i 've seen the videos of the people standing there, and the river, as white as this auditorium is like white river rolling across the rocks, and it is blood red. I kid you not blood red another one of the plagues that came to Egypt when the waters turned to blood. What are they? God said there in Exodus 10, these are my signs so that you humble yourself to know that I am God and that you begin to live like I am God and live for me. So that, oh, I had a cool picture of that. Not only that, kind of this gross one of what was next in Swaziland in Africa. A herd of cattle are just laying there on the hillside because they were killed by hail. Hail came Size of softballs and killed the herds that was out there, and they're just all the all the natives is looking all across them. That was another one of the plagues that came and pounded the animals and the fields, folks. As a watchman, I just got to tell you these things are going on and in the news if you look for them all around the world, and they're signs to say God is alive. He is in power and he's trying to get a message across to his people to follow me. To humble your hearts, quit playing politics, quit playing all of these games, quit being proud and and doing wicked things. World, you need to realize that I am God and I'm in charge and that you need to be in Christ and be sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so with that, that's the preclude to the, where I wanted to go today in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you, if you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to finish that chapter and go into chapter 2 right now. And then next week, here, here's a little plug while you're turning there. I'm going to give you a commercial break. Next week, we're going to go even deeper. You know how the scriptures talk about um, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, that's where we're going next week because Ephesians 1 starts with this at the end of Ephesians 1 and the book ends in Ephesians 6 with this same thing. It's all about spiritual warfare that's going on in the world and that's why everybody's crazy. And it says that they are run by these These wicked entities. And I want to explain what these words mean to you. And then I want to see how we're protected. Because after it says those things in Ephesians 6. It says, but therefore put on the whole armor of Christ. So that you will be able to stand against the darts and the arrows of our enemy. I bet if you come next week and bring a friend... I'm going to share with you what the armor of God is and it's not what you think it is. Because I know what I used to teach and I know what most people teach and I guarantee you there's something that goes a lot deeper and we're going to discover that next week. And so you've got to be here to know what your armor is. Okay? I want you to know what your armor is, what your protection is, So come on back and find that out. But if you're there in Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 21. He's made Jesus Christ... Through His resurrection, far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. That's who we're fighting. Those things right there is not just words that are being thrown out. That is a military description of chain of command. Those words are the chain of command of Satan's army. The first word, principalities, right there in the original is archay. What's that sound like? Ark. Archangels. How many have heard of archangels? Michael is an archangel, right? Gabriel is an archangel. Those are the top of the ladder underneath Christ who is the Lord of hosts. The word host means army. He's the Lord of the armies, and Michael and Gabriel are his archangels. Satan has his army, his military order, and the first ones are the archais, the principalities, the generals, the ones who are in all of the super places of command. They're in state capitals, they are all over Washington, D.C., and the other capitals around the world. You say, Daryl, how do you know that? Okay. If you want to follow along, go to Daniel 10 with me. Daniel chapter 10. Keep your finger there in Ephesians 1, because we're coming back. But Daniel chapter 10, I want to give you the Lord's kind of version of what goes on behind the scenes. Israel has been captured by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. They're, They're spending 70 years in captivity. Daniel's figured out that We should be delivered by now. It's 70 years. Lord, where are you? And he's been praying. And if you're there with me in Daniel chapter 10, let's start in verse 4. And here's what happens after Daniel's been praying this. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was beside the great river which is Hidakel, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold of Ufaz. His body was like the barrel. That's a precious stone that's lit up. And his face was as the appearance of lightning. His eyes was like lamps of fire. His arms and his feet was like in color to polished brass. And the voice of his words was like the voice of a multitude. I think this is one of these big archangels type beings, don't you? Okay, and in verse 7 he says... Daniel, I alone saw the vision. The men that were with me, they didn't see this, but a great quaking, the earth quaked and fell upon them, and they fled and hid themselves. Therefore, I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. All of my strength and comeliness was turned into corruption, and I retained no strength. And I heard the voice of his words, And when I heard the voice of those words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, the hand reached out and touched me. And it set me upon my knees, and upon the palm of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, I want you to understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for unto thee have I now been sent. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, verse 12, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God. That's when he went into fasting and prayer. He said, Thy words were heard, and I am come because of thy words. But now get this, verse 13 and 14, But the prince... Of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes. So now you see that that word prince is these archangels, right? The prince withstood me. So I had to go get the prince of Jerusalem, Michael the archangel, to stand with me against this great enemy. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Hmm. And now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. Principalities, the first thing that we had there in Ephesians. The prince of Persia, the prince of angels, Michael. These are principalities, these are archangels and what are they doing? One's trying to prevent the other from getting the release of God's people away from Babylon. It's a spiritual war that is taking place in the kingdoms. Where are they at? He said, the ones of Persia are saying this to me. Now, they are, they are all around our nation's capital. If you're still there in Daniel chapter 10, slide down to verse 20 real quick. Then this angel said, said Knowest thou wherefore I came to thee? You know where I came? I came now... And I'm going to return to fight with the princes, those archangels, the principalities. I'm going to return to fight with the prince of Persia when I am gone forth. And lo, after that, the prince of Greece shall come. But I am showing these things which is noted in scripture of truth. And there is none that withholdeth me in these things but Michael, your prince, your Angel over Israel. Folks, you remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the four kingdoms, of of that image. Right now was Babylon, but the next one that was going to come was the the Medo Persians and then the Grecians. And that's what he said I'm battling with Persia and then I'm going with Grecia. So the principalities, these Demonic archangels versus God's angels are in the capitals of the world trying to manipulate the thinking and the policies of countries To go away from God and God's people and prayers are for His angels to keep those things from happening. And that's why the church needs to become in prayer for our country. It says in Romans, pray for your leadership. Pray for your country. Why? There is a battle for your souls and the souls of your children and your grandchildren. And everyone that's coming, there is a battle. And you need to be in prayer for it because it's real. It's not something that's made up up so now we go back to ephesians chapter one there's a there's a clear picture from scripture written it says to show you the truth of scripture in daniel chapter 10 there in verse 20 and 21 this is the truth of scripture that you may know what's going on so now we come back to what's happening in in the the capitals around the world we have principalities you've got the archetype angels then the next word that's used in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, powers, exousia, that's delegated authority. The word means the delegated authority. So you have Satan who's in control. We're going to see him in chapter 2 in just a second. But he's got the principalities. He's got the generals. Underneath the generals are your majors, your colonels, your lieutenants, the other Officers, that's this word here, powers. They're the ones with the delegated authorities over the battalions that are there. Then it says the might, the dynamos. That's your special forces. This is like the Navy SEAL teams. This is like your rangers. This is powers. These are ones that have special powers that are able to do stuff. In Job, he gave special powers to bring tornadoes and take buildings down. These are the ones who have dynamos, our word for dynamite. These are powers. Next, it says you have dominion. That's your enlisted officers, it says. As you look at the original language and what these words mean, that's what it says. These are like your sergeants, your sergeant majors, your master sergeants, down through your corporals and then your privates. This is your minions, the dominion. You have the authority over the minions. And then it says every name that is named. Not only in this world but in the world to come. Name that is named means a reputation. That means the people who have gained a reputation. Because of their greatness in these battles. And all of the spiritual forces knows the names of these names. Some of them going to appear in Revelation. Like Abaddon or Apollyon. You've, you've got... You've got great names. It's, it's kind of like they made a movie a few years ago about the American sniper. You remember that? Because he gained such a great name in the warfare. That's what this one is. It's talking about those who have a reputation. Noble men of valor who win purple hearts and gold stars. And, and these type of things. And then we've got us. Chapter 2, if you're in Ephesians now, go twist over to chapter 2. Because now he's going to bring it down to us. We've, in chapter 1 he says, you've got an inheritance. I love you. Jesus died for you. And through that he's given you all of these wonderful things. And sealed us with that Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to know that the same power that raised Jesus up is at work in you now. Why? Because you're facing principalities. You are facing powers. You're facing dominions and names that are above names. Now look at what he says down in chapter two, verse one. You need to know this because you yeah, you know, me, God has made alive, because you were dead in trespasses and sins in time past, but now you have changed. You used to walk according to the course of this world, according to who? the prince. That's what we've been talking about. You used to walk according to the course of this world who is the prince of the powers of the air and he's the commander in chief. You used to be controlled by him. We used to walk in the world. We had our conversation, our life, but we tried to satisfy, it says there, the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our mind and flesh. We were by nature children of wrath even as others who are still out there. And not in Christ. But. As our worship team. Comes on back. And we get ready to close out. The good news is. It says there. That you used to be lost. You used to walk in his kingdom. But God. Thank you Lord. Is rich in mercy. And his great love. Wherewith he has loved us. Even. Even. When we were dead in sins and trespasses. Now he's made us alive together in Christ. And then he says. Because you are saved by grace. You are saved by grace through faith. And not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. And you've been sealed with that gift of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you became his. And he's trying to tell you the battle is fierce. And if you're not in him. And if you're not walking in Him and your house isn't in order, then you're facing these guys on your own battlefield. You can't make it. You used to walk in that. Don't let it happen again. Stay firm. Remember through your times of trouble. Remember through the trials that you're going through in this life that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is with you right now in this life to help you because we can't make it on our own. And I want you to know that next week I'm going to share with you the armor that's going to help you be clothed for this battle that we're in. And Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every time that it says but God and then it has such an encouragement for us that he so loved us. That He gave us His only begotten Son. And then all of these special gifts to help us in life. And I pray for all of those who are not in Christ in this world. That Father that they would see the need for You in their life as they battle these things. Because there's no way to stand against the wiles of the devil without it. And Father for us who are in Christ at this time. I pray that we look at these things that we talked about and all of the signs that you give and then you go back to your word and say you are mine, I know who you are. Take up my power in your life and use it. Take my armor and use it so that you can withstand these things. Father, thank you for revealing these things to us so that we can stand. And we thank you for what you're about to do in our lives and in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.